It's season three of Ing Podcast, a production of Meno Media's Leader Magazine. What does it mean to authentically follow Jesus? So being attentive to the past, being thoughtful about the past. Celebrating um, creative expressions of Anabaptist witness. Is, it seems to me, an empowering way of engaging the future. Join us as we talk with people of faith who are creatively thinking, growing, and being. People who are reimagining and exploring what it means to enrich faith in a complex world. Our conversation begins now. Join us as we journey together. Hello, friends. Welcome to this new season of Ing Podcast. We're really excited to have you all with us, and we are especially excited to start a mini-series. We're going to spend the next few episodes talking about a pretty significant project that is underway, um, sort of in-house here with Menno Media. It's called Anabaptism at 500, and we have two key folks from that project here with us today. Um, we're going to get to know them a little bit and get to know the project a little bit, and uh, we'll go on this journey together. Um, the tagline is looking back, living forward, and I, I think that's a good way to, uh, to start a podcast series as well. I'm joined uh, once again by my co-host, Allison Moss. Allison, good to see you. It's been a little while since we've had the headsets on together. Yeah, glad to be back. Thanks for joining us once again. Uh, and we've got our two guests here. Um, Molly and John, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to introduce yourselves for our audience. Why don't we start with Molly? Sure. Um, thanks for having us on the podcast here, Ben and Allison. Um, but yeah, my name is Molly Moa, and I'm the managing editor for Anabaptism at 500 Project. And I uh, live in Kitchener, Ontario. And um, yeah, I'll just say that for now. Yeah, it's great to be part of this conversation. My name is John Roth. Uh, for many years, I taught in the history department at Goshen College and uh, edited a, a journal called the Mennonite Quarterly Review. But uh, six months ago or so, I started as project director of Anabaptism at 500. And I continue to work out of an office on the campus of Goshen College in Goshen, Indiana. Thanks so much for taking the time to be here with us. I wonder if a good starting point is uh, what drew you to this project? How did the two of you get involved in Anabaptism at 500? Well, for most of my career as a historian, I had been interested in the Anabaptist Mennonite tradition. And I have tried to um, uh, think of my work as scholarship for the church. And in some ways in the publications, the books that I've written or the articles, uh, to help uh, connect the world of uh, academics with the world of congregational life. Uh, and this project pulls together so many of my interests and previous commitments in that it uh, clearly is attentive to the past. We, our, our tagline is looking back, but the focus really is on the contemporary church and where, where are we headed? How does the past help to inform mm. the future of the church? And I'm really interested in renewal, the theme of renewal, which is part of the beginnings of the Anabaptist movement. It's been part of our tradition in every generation. And now we have an opportunity to participate in that renewal as we um, look to the next 500 years. Yeah. Um, I was introduced to the project by our 
then executive minister, uh, Leah Reeser Keller, and she had caught wind of that project and she had shared it with me. Mm. And it just seemed like a really interesting project to be a part of. Um, I've always been connected to um, Mennonite Church Eastern Canada. And so being in um, that role for about 10 years has allowed me to connect with people from all different congregations and diversities and ethnicities and age groups. And I just saw this as an opportunity to um, extend that network and get to know people outside of the MCEC bubble and um, know get to know more of those Mennonite brothers and sisters around the globe, but um, particularly in uh, Mennonite Church USA. Um, but also um, what was interesting was the products and the projects. And so Minnow Media had just completed Voices Together. And here was this new uh, project that they're undertaking. And the projects or the products that we're hoping to produce is a wide variety and range. And so that was also exciting. You know, we're creating an app, um, children's books, a Bible, um, you know, devotional, just um, a wide range of projects that seem really interesting that, you know, I don't really have a lot of experience on creating an app, but it would be pretty cool to be a part of creating something like that. You talked a little bit about some of the projects that are going to come out of this, but will you take a moment as someone who's asking as an outsider here from the Presbyterian tradition, can you tell me more broadly about what this project involves? Sure. The, the, Anabaptist tradition emerged in the 16th century in the context of the Protestant Reformation. And part of the uh, energy around this movement was connected with Martin Luther and the recovery of scripture as a kind of central beginning point for the Christian life. And many of the early Anabaptists, in fact, were early proto-Lutherans in, 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 in sharing his enthusiasm for reading scripture and asking, what does it mean for our daily lives? And the Anabaptist movement emerged because many of those young radical readers of scripture began to ask hard questions about the connection between what they read in scripture and what they saw uh, in the church and particularly around baptism. So the conviction that uh, uh, baptism should be reserved only for those who voluntarily decided to follow Jesus became a signature uh, expression of the Anabaptist movement. Those first baptisms of adults happened uh, in January of 1525 in Zurich, Switzerland. And so we have taken 1525 as kind of the symbolic beginning moment for the Anabaptist movement. We know that movements always have many streams feeding into them. A movement <laughs> never starts at any given moment. But symbolically, the uh, adult baptisms, which brought these radicals to the eyes of the authorities and got them into a lot of trouble, that's the symbolic beginning. And so now, as we approach 2025, we have the opportunity to celebrate a 500-year birthday of this tradition. Uh, and we want to do that thoughtfully. Um, celebration is part of it, but there's also plenty to confess along the way. We want to be attentive to the shadow sides of our mm. theological tradition. Uh, and we want to invite 
contemporary Anabaptists in all their diversity to rediscover the Bible, to reclaim sort of the energy and inspiration that gave rise to this movement 500 years ago, because we mm. believe that the Bible continues to speak uh, in new and fresh and exciting ways today, just as it did 500 years ago. Uh, Molly, specifically, uh, you talked about, you know, thinking beyond your local definition of what it means to be a Mennonite. I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about how this project is um, positioning itself uh in a global denomination, uh, to, to think about um, Anabaptism at 500 uh, for a global church, but coming from a North American perspective. Can you say more to that unique dynamic here? I'll start a little bit with the Anabaptist Bible. And a part of that project is we're looking for involvement from 500 lay uh, Bible study groups. And so um, this is a project that we're inviting everyone to participate in, um, when you, whether you identify yourself as um, an Anabaptist, um, you're welcome to that. And so we've cast the umbrella wide in terms of, you know, if you're more conservative, uh, like the conservative Mennonites or Amish or something, um, even to all the way up to maybe um, more progressive or liberal Mennonites. And so also it's not only just MCUSA and MC Canada. And so because it's a Anabaptist Bible, trying to broaden that to include our other Anabaptist brothers and sisters. Um, one realization is also that the end products are gonna be in English. And so um, keeping that in mind, you know, we are, you know, we translated the Bible studies into um, other languages such as Spanish, French, um, Bahasa, Indonesian. And um, was there another one, John? Was there, I think just those three. Right now it's those three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We want to um, invite people to participate, but understanding that the majority of the Bible study groups most will most likely be from North America. Um, but that's not to say that there is a Bible study group that's um, that has registered to participate from Japan or China and Germany. And so word is starting to spread and we are definitely inviting and reaching out to um, the global family. So with those pieces, yes, definitely. This is a project that we're hoping to include uh, global, global voices in that. Um, but then recognizing that at, at the end, the products will most likely be geared towards North American audience. Mm -hmm. Primarily published by um, Menno Media, which is based here in North yeah. America. Yeah. Yeah. That makes and sense. And so one way of reaching beyond that is, we're hoping is with the app. And so a lot of people overseas have phones. And so hopefully they can get connected to the Anabaptist Bible and other projects um, through the app. Um, so that's one product that we're hoping to make more accessible uh, globally as well. Um, hoping to share more global stories in a photo book. And so we're one of the projects is an Anabaptist photo book celebrating um, creative expressions of Anabaptist witness. And so I've been kind of looking through, you know, through MWC stats and it says, okay, well, 36% or something of Anabaptists are in, in Africa or in this region. And so hopefully trying to bring representation in the photo book based on, okay, if we did a hundred stories and hopefully, you know, a third of those would be from this region. And mm. so then we can kind of 
hear more from our global brothers and sisters in the photo book. That's some ways mm-hmm. that we're trying to um, do that as well. Um, you know, in North America, we can hear from a number of different voices from, um, for example, like the Hmong community who live in Canada, right? And so there's diversity around us as well. Mm. The 500th anniversary of Anabaptism in 2025 gives the church a unique opportunity to celebrate and dream. Menno Media invites you to celebrate and dream with us as we embrace the hope and possibility created by this momentous anniversary. As our world continues to evolve and change, the church needs to increase our capacity to offer creative, imaginative resources that inspire people to commit to grow in Christian faith. Menno Media's vision is to lead the way in helping North American Anabaptist Christians experience spiritual renewal by creating fresh, forward-looking resources for Anabaptism's quincentenary celebration. Each resource will offer spiritual inspiration, connection, education, and invitation to the Anabaptist community and to the broader Christian church. To learn more about Anabaptism at 500 or how to add your voice to the first ever Anabaptist Community Bible, visit anabaptismat500.com. I'm curious, you have this wonderful tagline of looking backward, living forward. Um, And I am curious, I know that's part of the purpose of the project to uncover a little bit of that, but could you speak more to that about what does that mean? Why is it important for us to revisit and look back um, as we envision and find hope for the future of the church? Well, whether we acknowledge it or not, we are shaped by our history. And um, so being attentive to the past, being thoughtful about the past is, it seems to me, an empowering way of engaging the future, Mm. that you're not just uh, unreflective about why, why you care about certain things and ignore other things, but, well, as in... As individuals, we understand ourselves better by thinking carefully about our past collectively. That's also the case. But we want to do that cautiously um, or carefully. Uh, 50 years ago, at the 450th commemoration, uh, 1975, there was a kind of celebration of Mennonite ethnic culture in North America. So a lot of the emphasis was on German elements of Mennonite identity. So fraktur art, for example, or uh, a lot of emphasis on, in the 16th century, the martyr stories. So, um, uh, and it was very much a focus on the past. And we care about that. Um, we want to we want to reflect on what are the themes from the past that are relevant today. But our primary attention is going to be where is this movement headed? And as mm-hmm. Molly already mentioned, in the past fifty years, the number of Anabaptist Mennonites around the world has nearly tripled, and virtually all of that growth has happened in. Asia, Africa, and Latin America. Now, in North America, we can look at the Amish and say, okay, that's an Anabaptist group that has also grown significantly. 
But by and large, the growth in, in this 500-year-old tradition has happened outside of Europe and North America. Mm. And that's exciting. Um, that's part of what, it, when we think about the future of the movement, we need to be attentive to that and ask, how does the vibrancy and the excitement about Christian faith that is driving that movement, that, um, that growth outside of North America, how can we bring some of that back here in ways that will enliven uh, our own understanding of faith? Hmm. I'm curious as I hear you talk about um, trying to be as inclusive as we can be to these many different streams of, of what Anabaptism has become, um, with the awareness that uh, people of faith are pretty good at splintering and segmenting and uh, creating new denominations, is there any red flag or danger in celebrating one of those fracture points in our history 500 years ago? And and how do you sort of hold that while you celebrate in the midst of it? It is a good reminder that um, the beginning of any particular Christian group is also almost always a division, a fracture. Painful in some way, probably. Right. Yeah. And so it's true that the body of Christ was broken in the early 16th century in ways that um, call us also to reflect on our debts to the Catholic Church, out of which we emerged, our debts to the Lutheran tradition, the Reformed tradition, um, and I'm deeply grateful that Mennonite World Conference and also Mennonites in North America have been increasingly open to those acknowledgments and those conversations. Mm. It's harder to acknowledge debts to those groups that um, are our first cousins, you know, that broke off, that divided <laughs> uh, in you know, recent memory. Uh, those wounds are still fresh in some ways. Yeah. And we have really um, worked hard to offer this project as a big tent. Uh, no one owns the Anabaptist brand. Uh, mm. And we hope that commemorating the 500th anniversary of the Anabaptist tradition can be an opportunity to invite our diverse uh, body in the Anabaptist Mennonite tradition uh, into some even symbolic ways of, of shared shared engagement. Hmm. It's not easy. There are a lot of ways of getting it wrong, um, uh, but we want to keep reaching out. We want to we want to find ways of offering olive branches, of building bridges, and uh, particularly with the Anabaptist Bible Project, we hmm. hope that we can have representation from a wide variety of, of faith communities in the Anabaptist tradition. Did I just hear the uh, train pass through Goshen? Sorry. Edit <laughs> <laughs> that out, right? That little line there. For those who understand Anabaptism, they'll understand there's a train that goes through Goshen's campus. Yeah. I think that's, uh... It's been with us for 100 years. That's funny. <laughs> Well, Anabaptism at 500.com. So Anabaptism AT at 500, the n numbers, 
www.thepodcastnetwork.com will help listeners uh, find out more about the the project. So at some place we'd want to make sure that's um, clear. And you're still looking for folks to participate in uh, shaping the Bible project, for instance, becoming a study group member, things like that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we are. We're at about 100, a little over 100 groups. And so our goal is to hit 500. So <laughs> we have lots of room for people to, to join in. That website is an extensive place to find out the different pathways that are, that are happening here. I wonder... Um, uh, if either of you would be willing to share who else at this point is involved with this project. And uh, I know we will be um, meeting some of these folks in future episodes, but, but who, else, who is joining you? It's not just the two of you shaping this, uh, this endeavor. Well, I, um, we have, for example, there are more than 50 biblical scholars, Anabaptist biblical scholars who are writing introductions, and some of them are supplying a biblical context notes for the margins of this a study Bible. So we have lots of connections with our biblical scholars. We have a group of Anabaptist historians who are combing through the primary sources of the 16th and 17th century and looking for a kind of um, biblical commentary that's linked to a specific verse that we can uh, excerpt and and drop in. So there's a cluster of Anabaptist historians. Um, We have four artists who are working uh, on original linacut style artwork that will become part of the Anabaptist uh, Bible. Uh, there's a staff at Menno Media that has been very, very engaged and supportive. We have an advisory group of, let's see, I think nine people from a wide range of locations who bring their interests and passions to this project. Um, We'll be meeting with them in Kitchener in uh, um, second week of January, not Kitchener, in Hanover. John and Molly, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, If you're not aware, uh, Molly was uh, part of a team that put together a podcast for Mennonite Church Eastern Canada called Courageous Imagination. I think it was a 10-episode series, and Molly has been gracious enough to uh, join us for this podcast series. She'll be Um, my co-host here for the next several episodes as we continue to interview people connected with the Anabaptism at 500 Project. Um, Molly, thank you. Uh, This isn't the last time that we'll hear from you. But John, thank you so much for being someone to help this take shape and get moving and for joining us here today on the podcast. Um, It's been great to have you both here with us. Thanks for the opportunity. And uh, we're grateful for your work. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Listeners, we really encourage you to to check out Anabaptism at 500.com. If you type it in your search bar, you'll get it pretty quickly, I'm sure. You can see so much more about this project and uh, find different ways to get involved, and we hope you do so. Thank you again, um, both to John and Molly for joining us. We cannot wait to hear more about what this project will entail, how it will take shape, what you all learn through the process. Um, Thank you so much, listeners, for being back with us for another season. We hope that you will um, be inspired and find a lot of hope here in this series and in this project. Peace until we meet again, friends.
As always, we'd like to thank our guests and all who support Ing Podcast. Thank you for joining us on the journey. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review in your favorite podcasting app. And if you have something to share, send us a message at theing at menomedia.org or by leaving us a voicemail. Ing Podcast is hosted by Reverend Allison Moss and produced by me, Ben Weidman. Views and opinions expressed on Ing Podcast are those of our hosts and guests and may not represent that of Leader Magazine or Menno Media. Ing Podcast is a production of Menno Media, a nonprofit publisher that creates thoughtful Anabaptist resources to enrich faith in a complex world. To find out more, visit us online at menomedia.org.